You're listening to the Eastside Baptist Church Sermon Podcast. This sermon was recently preached at our church. We want to encourage you to visit our website at eastsidesf.com. Now, enjoy today's sermon. Thank you so much for a great song this morning. And if you would at this time, open your Bibles. We're back in Matthew 26. Matthew chapter 26. If you've been with us, and I've got an idea most of you have been with us through this series in Matthew. Last week we talked about Christ in the Garden of Gethsemane and his heartfelt prayer to his father and his willingness to surrender to his will and um, the weight of the world, the weight of my sin and your sin was on him. It was, a, was an agonizing time like nobody can really put into human words and yet we try to do so. It, we're described as, uh, they describe it as uh, Christ in his agony with that great drops of uh, uh, blood that was, was dripping from him and so forth because of the intensity of the moment and of his prayer and the way he cried out to God for us, in essence, really, was so intense. And so we're walking out of that garden at this time, so to speak. I mean, we're coming in back into it and uh, going to just about be ready to leave the garden with a, a brand new event. And I have to remind you for it to, um, to carry the significance that I think it's supposed to carry for us. If you'll just remember a, a few other passages before this, um, Jesus had told all of his disciples that, uh, you know, um, well, at least Peter, you're going to deny me three different times before that rooster crows in the morning. So it's going to happen tonight. And if you remember how vehemently uh, Peter denied that, there's no way. And all the disciples said, no, the, we'd never deny you. And Peter said, I would die with and for you. If you can remember that, that's still kind of ringing in the air, that spirit of Peter. And God allows Peter to be one of the main um, focuses during these passages of Scripture and even into next uh, message uh, that will come after this. And what's so good about it, everybody, is uh, how much Peter is just like us, or I should say how much we are like Peter and how many of his traits, uh, while we kind of find it easy to sit back in a pew and think, man, how could a guy say one thing and do something so strongly in another way? We're, we're pretty good at it ourselves in a lot of different ways. Really, we are. And uh, so you'll find him as one of the main characters here today. I want to talk to you this morning as we read through these verses about the three faces of betrayal. If you can remember that, the three faces of betrayal. And not that all three people in here were betraying, nor were all three of them being betrayed, But the three faces during this betrayal all had a different reaction or action to uh, what was taking place here. And I can promise you, every one of us are going to be found in this set of verses to one degree or another uh, in in one of these three faces. And I want us to look at it here this morning. So Christ has has prayed, gone back to his father three different times. Is it it possible that this cup could pass from me? And obviously there was no other way for man to be redeemed. It was going to take the blood of his son. They they both came to that realization 
uh, Christ in his flesh crying out to his father, and, and, uh, and he agreed to that. And he told his disciples in verse 46, uh, rise, let us be going. Behold, he is at hand that doth betray me, which brings us down into the next set of verses. We'll read 47 to 56 here this morning. Please follow along. And while he yet spake, lo, Judas, one of the twelve came, and with him a great multitude of the swords and staves from the chief priests and elders of the people. Now he that betrayed him gave them a sign, saying, Whomsoever I shall kiss, that same is he. Hold him fast. And forthwith he came to Jesus and said, Hail, Master, and kissed him. And Jesus said unto him, I would think this would be an uncommon thing to say to somebody that's just done what he just did. But Jesus said unto him, Friend, wherefore art thou come? Then came they and laid hands on Jesus and took him. And behold, one of them which were with Jesus stretched out his hand and drew his sword and struck a servant of the high priests and smote off his ear. Then said Jesus unto him, Put up again thy sword into his place. For all they that take the sword shall perish with the sword. Thinkest thou that I cannot now pray to my Father and he shall presently at this very moment give me more than twelve legions of angels? But how then shall the scriptures be fulfilled that thus it must be? In that same hour, Jesus said to the multitudes, now he's turned his attention to everybody else that's coming out against him, are ye come out as against a thief with swords and staves for to take me? I sat daily with you teaching in the temple and ye laid no hold on me, but all this was done that the scriptures of the prophets might be fulfilled. Then all the disciples, notice the wording, all the disciples forsook him and fled. And let's pause there for prayer. God, we thank you, Lord, for letting us come to the house of God today in good health, at least enough health to be able to be here. And I pray that in our own hearts, Lord, that you would uh, open up that door of our heart and please, God, look inside of us. Uh, I know that you know our needs. You, You know the needs that are there that we're not even aware of. You know what's out in front of us and what it's going to take to carry us along, and I'm asking that through that Holy Spirit of God that that grace and power of God would be given to us this morning. Father, I would ask again for that anointing from heaven to preach the word. I ask it in Jesus' name with thanksgiving. Amen. Read a little article, and I'd never heard this story before. I doubted it when I read it, so I looked it up online, and sure enough, there's plenty of stories about this. This story goes back to the year 1212, as you can see, hundreds of years ago. And it tells us that there was this little French shepherd boy, his name was Stephen, and he claimed that Jesus had appeared to him disguised as a pilgrim. And supposedly, Jesus had instructed him to take a letter to the king of France. So this poor misguided boy told everyone about what he thought he had encountered. And before long, He had gathered a large following of more than 30,000 children. Now, that's what some of them said that were looking on from a distance. 
Uh, they said there's no way to verify the 30,000, but without doubt, there were many thousands of children that heard the message of this little boy and of his uh, visitor that had come to him and became very enamored with him and began to follow him uh, on this pilgrimage to the king of Rome or of France. And as Philip Schaff records it, when asked where they were going, they replied, and here was always their quote, we go to God and seek for the holy cross beyond the sea. They reached Marseille in France, but the waves did not part. They, they were fully convinced once they got to the ocean it was going to part for them and they would go across on dry ground, you know, like, like uh, Moses. They really believed that. But it was at Marseille that tragedy occurred. The children met two men, Hugo Ferris and William, I'm not sure if it's Porcus or Porcus. The men claimed to be so impressed with the calling of the children that they offered to transport them across the Mediterranean in seven ships. And they weren't even going to charge them for it. They were so moved by the young men's story. So we'll take you guys across. What the children didn't know was that the two men were slave traders. The children boarded the ships and the journey began. But instead of setting sail for the Holy Land, they actually set course for North Africa where they were sold as slaves in the Muslim markets that did a large business in the buying and selling of human beings. Few of them, if any, returned. None ever reached the Holy Land. But two cunning men enjoyed enormous financial profits simply because they were willing to sacrifice the lives of thousands of children. What a betrayal. So many of those young people thought somebody was leading them in a good way and was doing a good deed for them. And in reality, the whole time they were heading them into slavery. Many of them, you continue to read this story is very long if you want to go online and read about it. Many of the young people died along the way, just little children. They said most of them were no older than 12 years old. Can you imagine that? And, and the betrayal of those men that would lead them into slavery like that. Those men, if you follow along, those men, I believe they were uh, found doing other things and were hanged, if I'm not mistaken, and their own lives, uh, they paid by their own lives after many had been destroyed. And I thought about that and the betrayal that we have read about here this morning. Um, somebody that someone had trusted in so much, like those young boys had trusted in those men, somebody who had placed confidence and strong belief and teaching in that man turns around now and betrays the very one that gave the greatest of love that heaven could offer to anybody and that was Jesus giving to Judas that kind of love and it amazed me while I'm reading through the story and I'm studying for the message and I started noticing how there's you know there's really three different people involved here and in many ways, it, me and you can be found in the story somewhere along the way. I'm not saying that you have, you know, determinedly uh, wanting to betray Christ and things of that nature. But somewhere along the story, I found myself, you'll find yourself in one of the three faces of betrayal as we work our way on down through the, the story here today. And the first face is that uh, uh, Judas's treachery. And it's there in verse 47 again. Uh, would you look back down there with me? Verse 47 says, uh, And while he yet spake, lo, Judas, notice the wording here, one of the twelve, came, and with him a great multitude with swords and staves from the chief priests and elders of the people. 
Now he that betrayed him gave them a sign, saying, Whomsoever I shall kiss, that same is he. Hold him fast. And forthwith he came to Jesus and said, Hail, Master. He didn't call him Lord. Hail, Master. And notice then he kissed him. So Judas' treachery, here's one of the faces of betrayal. And he was a treacherous man to Christ, number one, because of the position that he held. Will you just think about this with me for a minute? I, I had you notice how verse 47 reminds us that, and, and the Bible didn't need to put it in there for us to realize this. We knew Judas was one of the 12 disciples, but God put that in there on purpose for us to recognize and understand. Here comes a man that was one of the 12, one of those that was closest to Christ. Uh, so he was treacherous because of the position that he held. I, I mean, it would be one thing if, if Judas was just one of those casual acquaintances of Jesus that you know, just met him along the way one day and saw what he did, maybe liked what he did, maybe followed him for a day or two, but then dropped off with everybody else. That would be one thing if it was that guy that did what he did. But Judas was specially chosen to walk day and night with Jesus and to witness the miracles that he did and to hear that heartfelt teaching that Christ would give to them like nobody else could ever teach. To hear those very words, if you can put it this way, of God sitting in front of him, telling him all the teachings like that, he was privileged like that to be able to, to sit alongside of Christ. I've heard a lot of different men pray in my lifetime, and my heart has been stirred by a lot of men who I knew had to walk with God, but nobody ever heard somebody pray like Christ prayed. And Judas was there to hear his voice and to hear the sincerity of heart and to know the connection that that man had with God was second to none. I mean, Judas was there and heard all of those things as he cried out to his father. Judas looked and acted just like all the other 11 disciples. I mean, he, he served right alongside of Jesus. He helped in all of the journeys that they went on, uh, that they traveled with. And uh, he was in the same cities that they canvassed alongside of Christ. And I've told you this already in previous messages, but Judas got to watch him heal the lepers and, and raise the dead. I mean, he saw all those great things. Again, it's one thing if it was just a guy off in the distance that kind of developed some animosity toward Jesus and he betrayed Christ. But here's a man that was one of the 12, one of those most, I would think, in love with Christ like nobody else. And here he is stabbing him in the back. And he was as close to Jesus as anybody had ever gotten to Christ. I, mean, I know John was, you know, he's called the beloved and the one that Christ loves. And, and maybe John had a little bit more of a connection than maybe some of the others, but not that much more. And, and here is Judas right alongside of the Lord Jesus Christ. And he still stuck that knife in the heart of Christ with that betrayal. I'm just saying it's an amazing thought when you stop and think about really uh, the treachery uh, and the position that this man hold or uh, that he held. Um, maybe you're familiar with one of the Psalms there in Psalm 41 and verse 9. Listen to this verse. Here's Jesus uh, giving a, a uh, prophecy through the Psalms. Yea, mine own friend in whom I trusted, which did eat of my bread, hath lifted up his heel against me. 
He said it was a guy that walked right alongside of me. We sat and ate bread with who demonstrated what I thought was genuine love toward me. He's the one that lifted his heel up against me. Typically, to lift up your heel is to bring it down on the neck of somebody and to show that you're trying to dominate them. And that's what Christ was saying. I mean, you're here in Matthew. Go back over to the book of John with me. Uh, John chapter 13. John chapter 13. Hopefully you're holding your place there in Matthew. Uh, And John 13 dropped down there into verse 18. And here's how he he says it again. "I, I, I speak not of you all. I know whom I have chosen, but that the scriptures may be fulfilled. He that eateth bread with me hath lifted up his heel against me. And he's just reminding them once again, I, I know what's going on here. Guys, betrayal is never more treacherous. You know this like I do. Betrayal is never more treacherous than when someone that you have opened your entire heart up to, and, and you've sat with them, and you, you've shared your innermost feelings, and, and you've, you've told them secrets you wouldn't tell anybody else, you know. Uh, it, it's someone that uh, maybe you've given things to, but most of all, you put your trust in that person, and uh, betrayal is never more treacherous than when a very close and dear friend that you thought really loved you and that you shared things in common, it doesn't hurt any more than when someone like that comes up and stabs you in the back. I think we've all probably experienced from one time uh, to another someone that has betrayed us or hurt us deeply, broke our hearts. You couldn't believe that someone like that person, you you're the one that's done that? You even are walking up with all the enemies that we used to say were our enemies. And you're now walking with them and mocking me alongside of them. I, that hurts deeply. First of all, he was treacherous because of his position. <clears throat> then he was treacherous because of his association. I just mentioned those people he was with. Um, look there again in verse 47. Uh, and while he yet spake, lo, Judas, one of the twelve, came and with him a great multitude... And here they come, guys, with swords and staves from the chief priests and the elders of the people. Uh, I mean, these were the Roman soldiers and also an entourage from the chief priests and the elders of the Jews. They've all uh, combined together and said, we've got to go and take this guy. And here they come, these avowed and self-confessed enemies of Christ. And Judas, here he comes as the tip of the spear of this group. He's guilty by association. And uh, to look up, and like I said before, to not only see your, your dearest of friends coming up to uh, uh, attack you and to betray you, but then to see him alongside of all the other enemies. That's another thing. You ever had a dear friend of yours and, and other people just didn't seem to care for you guys? And they, they, maybe they made fun of you or they made life hard for you. And both of you would talk about how you wish those guys would straighten up. And then you look up and here comes your friend to betray you. And your friend is with the enemy. That's another knife in the back. Guilty by association. Have you ever been there? Have you been the one left standing there with your mouth open and your hand stretched out in total disbelief that something like that could happen from you? Now, Jesus did not stand there with his hands outstretched and his mouth gaping as if he was surprised because Christ told us in John, I know who I've chosen. Did you catch that? I've known all along Judas was going to be one. 
that would do this to me. But the treachery still strikes your heart. I, I don't know if, if um, any of the other two are more um, pungent than the one I'm going to read about here, but Judas was also treacherous because of his signal. Well, what do you mean his signal? Well, it was the way he was going to let the enemy know which one was really Jesus. Look in verse 48. Back in verse 48, now he that betrayed him gave him a sign saying, whomsoever I shall kiss, that same is he, hold him fast. And forthwith he came to Jesus and said, hail master, can you hear the honey dripping off of his words, like trying to make it look really good, and kissed him. I mean, the words here, when you read about it, you, I'm not a, a Greeky kind of a guy, but you get into the Greek of this, and, and really the idea behind this is this was just more than a casual Mideastern greeting. You know how they greet one another in, in those Mideastern countries? Go, to, go up, take a brother by the shoulder, and I'll kiss him on each side of the cheek, or at least plant your cheeks on the side of his. But the idea in, in the wording here really is more like, it's just uh, an overabundance of friendship, an overabundance of me trying to make it really, really look like I'm really, really greeting him. But in reality, he's just making sure that they, in the darkness of the night, and with only the light of their torches to be able to see, was so that they could make sure this guy was really understanding that he's the one. I mean, it's sick. I mean, what a snake in the grass uh, a guy like that would be to betray the Lord Jesus Christ. God help us, amen, to understand what it feels like to betray someone. To put all your scruples and your character and your integrity and shove your integrity off to the side. And just so you can meet some little need in your life, you'll let somebody else be put down. And, and, and at their expense, you gain just a little bit. And you're willing to set aside other people for that cause. God help us not to go there, amen? Surely that's not the face of betrayal that you find yourself in. Number two, uh, first of all, there's, there's Peter's uh, treachery. Number two, uh, or, or Judas's treachery. Number two, Peter's zealousy. Look in verse 51. Verse 51, and behold, notice what the Bible says here. One of them. Hmm. I wonder who that's going to be. One of them which were with Jesus stretched out his hand and drew his sword and struck a servant of the high priest and smote off his ear. One, one little guess, I know I've already given the point, but one guess who that guy, which one of those 12 disciples or 11 that are left now would have uh, been so cantankerous, I think the word is impetuous, um, acts before he thinks, which one of those guys would it have been? I mean, we're spelling his name for you. His name was Peter. Uh, and this betrayal of Judas, no doubt, I mean, here stands Peter. Here's the guy that said, I'll, I'll die with you. I, I'm, I'm right alongside of you, Christ. Uh, I've got my sword with me and so on. And, and can you imagine the disciples, the other 11 disciples, they look up and here comes Judas. Judas. Well, we knew that you left us and we knew there was something wrong and, and we could just tell, but what are you doing with all those guys? coming with the sticks, those billy clubs and swords and, and staves to, to take Christ away like he was some criminal. What are you doing walking with them? And then Peter watches him. I can see Peter's eyes. What are you about to do? 
walks up and gives Jesus that kiss on either side of the, the cheek, which wasn't so uncommon to greet somebody in that way, but then to watch the, the, uh, the soldiers come up to take Christ immediately after a kiss like that, and it hit Peter. You've got to be kidding me, you snake. You just betrayed the Savior or the one who's led us so far, and it just struck him. And uh, you know what happened to Peter? Adrenaline went running through his body. Please hear this. Reasoning didn't happen in his brain. Holy Spirit thoughts did not run through his heart, but adrenaline ran through his veins. You ever been there? You ever got so mad when you saw somebody do something so wrong to some, maybe, maybe somebody at school, a little helpless kid, and you saw people picking on them? You ever, has your adrenaline ever just rushed up inside of you and you want to go and even the score right away? You, you ever been there? Um, and, and I've got an idea that was, that was Peter's mindset at this point. It, it wasn't about, uh, you know, Christ and, and the Spirit of the Lord working through him. And, and Peter rips his sword out and, uh, and goes up to who we find out later on, if you read later on in the other Gospels, he took the ear off of one of the high priest's servants, and that servant's name was Malchus. That's what John tells us anyway. Somehow Peter misses. We all know and understand he wasn't going for the ear, right? I think he was going for the middle of the head. And either Malchus saw it happening and ducked out of the way, or Peter, it was a glancing blow. I, I, I don't know. We don't know that but cuts his ear off. Jesus commands him, put your sword away. Went up to that servant and took his ear and healed the ear of that man, which is really amazing to me. Jesus was always trying to do good to his enemies, even to the enemy. I mean, why couldn't they they see this this goodness of God shining through uh, the actions of Christ? I mean, stop and think about this. I've never seen anybody get their ear cut off. But if I saw somebody get his ear cut off, and I watched a guy go up, and I, I, if I'm not mistaken, I think he took the ear, put it back up on him, and somehow just miraculously healed the ear. And I, I, I would think, even though with the, the, the torches, they might have been able to see what was going on there, and I, I would sure think that if I saw something like that happen, I'd want to walk up to that guy and just tug on the ear and see, is that real? Did you really just heal that ear? And is it really stuck there? I mean, it'd be a bad thing if it came right off, but <laughs> you're still awake. Uh, can you imagine that? And still, they're like, we got to take this guy. This guy is no good. He calls himself the son of God, and, and he's a treacherous person himself. I don't understand the world. So Peter's reaction to betrayal by Judas was proof of the attitude that would soon deny the Lord Jesus in just a few hours. Did you get that? Peter's actions, real hastily, adrenaline rush, pulls that sword out, strikes the ear off, is just evidence of what is about to happen with him a little bit later on. We'll read it in in our text in in a week or two, and we'll show you the end of Peter's flesh. Peter thinks he's all about commitment and I and I, I'm following God to the nth degree when in reality he's, he's living his life out in the flesh so Peter was warned and Jesus looked at him he said hey Peter don't you understand that those who take the sword are going to die by the sword haven't you got my teaching yet 
Well, what do you think that really means? It means, Peter, if you're going to choose to live your life as a life of force, I'm going to force my way through this life. I can, I can be strong enough to make my way through this life. If you're going to choose to live your life by force, then you're not going to live your life by faith. And that's, that's just what will happen to you. If you're going to be a man that forces your way through life, that's just the way it's going to be all your life. And it's going to bring you to an end of your real walk with God. You won't lose Christianity, but you'll certainly lose your testimony. And what you could have done for me is just basically going to die away. If you choose to live by the sword, then Peter, you'll live and die by the sword. But that's not what my life was all about. My life is about teaching you how to live a life of faith and having trust in a holy God. He was trying to wake him up to. They just kill their Christianity one stroke after another. Somebody offends them. Somebody got to them. Somebody really got into my, my mind, and, 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 I, and I'm all stirred up. And then we react in these physical ways. We all know people like that. Maybe that person is in the mirror, or maybe it's somebody that you live with, or somebody you have to work with, or a neighbor. But we all know people like that, and Jesus is very clear. Watch those people. If you want to live by the sword, you're going to die by the sword. That's just the way your life is going to be. Just like Peter who cut off the servant's ear, when we act out in fleshly ways, we take away the listening ear of any who might need to hear about the Lord. I mean, I think it's significant he took his ear off. What is it that Christians do? When we act out in the flesh and somebody in the world needs to know Christ and they've been watching you, they found out you're a Christian. And they may make fun of you through the day, but in their heart, they're needing to know that this Christianity is really real. And then one, one day something happens to me, and, and I act out in the flesh, and, and, I, and I act real harshly either toward that person or somebody else, and this person saw what I just did. What did you just do to that guy? You took his listening ear off. You really think he's going to listen to what your testimony has to say now? God help us to be careful about how we act during times of betrayal or hurt. I, I read, this is an older story, some of you may or may not remember this, but does anybody remember the Cubs outfielder named Andre Dawson? Some of you guys that are sportsters might know that. So um, Chicago Cubs outfielder Andre Dawson had to pay a $1,000 fine for disputing a strike that was called by umpire Joe West, and he was really mad, and he was really disputing it, and, it, and he got a fine of $1,000. On the memo line of his check, Dawson wrote, donation to the blind. <laughs> um, how many of you think that uh, that umpire is going to look kindly upon him next time he gets up to bat? Or the Christian who acts out in the flesh like Peter. I mean, it's, it's another face of betrayal. It's another face that we get to see what some people look and act like during times of betrayal. Sadly, there have been times in my life I've found myself reacting instead of acting upon a godly principle. But God help us not to be that face during times of hurt and betrayal. And then lastly, you've got a third face here can't miss it. Now this is Jesus's tranquility or his peace. Look in verse 50 with me again. And Jesus said unto him, friend, 
Wherefore art thou come? Why, why are you coming? Go ahead and, and say it so you can hear it yourself. Then came they and laid hands on Jesus and took him. And behold, one of them which were with Jesus stretched out his hand and drew his sword and struck a servant of the high priest and smote off his ear. We heard that already. And then said Jesus unto him, Put up again thy sword into his place, for all they that take the sword, that's the way you want to live your life, shall perish with the sword. Thinkest thou, boy, get this, thinkest thou that I cannot now pray to my Father and he shall presently give me more than twelve legions of angels? But how then shall the Scriptures be fulfilled that thus it must be? In that same hour said Jesus to the multitude, Are you come out as against a thief with, with swords and staves for to take me? I sat daily with you teaching in the temple and ye laid no hold on me. But all this was done that the scriptures of the prophets might be fulfilled. And then all those disciples took off running, man. They scattered instantly. So you know what I see here? This is a third face during the time of betrayal. And here's what you need to remember. Please don't miss this. Last Sunday we talked about Jesus Christ. And the Bible said that he, he left eight disciples here. Went a little further and took the, the inner circle, Peter, James, and John, with him to this point. And then the Bible said that Jesus went a little further and fell upon his face and cried out to the Father three different times, uh, begging. I mean, the flesh of a man is still flesh. His was not sinful flesh, but it was nonetheless, it was flesh. And cried out to his Father, is it possible that this cup pass from me? Is there another way that we can still accomplish what we want to accomplish other than this three different times and he got the same answer each time listen to this by the time he got the third answer him and his father were exactly together on this thought they he agreed with the father he 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 had submitted to everything that the heavenly father had answered him every time he prayed listen to this again once he submitted to that then all the anxiety all the fears, all the dread that would just drive a man to run away from such a cross like he was about to face died away and resignation of heart came into him. And he resigned himself to the fact that this is what it needs to be. And if this is what it takes to be able to get a Philip Spencer when he's nine years old to get saved, then I'm willing to do that. And if that's what it's going to take, Father, to get a congregation of people that's in Sioux Falls, South Dakota, to come to the Lord, then I'm willing to do that. And no matter what comes my way, then I'm resigned to the fact I, I love these people that are in this world more than I fear what could come my way. And when Jesus looked up and he saw this great crowd coming and he saw Judas coming, <clears throat> I'm sure there was a stab in the heart. But it didn't go nearly as deep as the conviction that the Father had and that Jesus had for the love that he had for the whole world that he gave his only begotten son for. And he was willing to let Judas come up and kiss him. And he asked Judas, why, why are you coming? Because you and I both know, let's just carry it a little further, that the greeting that you gave me was not a greeting. Just be honest and admit why you're really here. I know why it is. Peter cut the guy's ear off and he heals him. Put your sword away. This is not what this uh, time is all about. 
This time is not about you protecting me. Uh, I, I don't need deliverance for myself because I came to give deliverance for you. And so I'm willing to go to the cross and I'm willing to take all that comes my way. I mean, you can only do this with God's Spirit inside of you. Would you agree with me about that? To have all these things come crashing in on you, the best of your friends betraying you. Here they come with swords against Christ. He said, guys, I was with you the last four days in a row in the temple, in and out of the temple. You could have taken me then. Why are you coming with spears and and clubs to try to take me now? Don't you see what you're really doing? And Christ Jesus willingly stood up to walk, and I love the other examples. You read the other gospel accounts of this same story. It's just stunning uh, to read about that. But Jesus said this, I am willing to go all the way, and I'm not afraid of what you can do to me. I'm not fearful of what might come to me. I know I'm going to have pain, and I know it's going to hurt me. I know my father's going to turn his face away from me for the only time in all eternity. I will feel this absolute hollow space in my life. I've never felt before when my father would turn his face from me. But I know that's coming, and I'm willing to face that for you. And I'm willing to let everything that's going to happen on the cross and prior to that, my beard being plucked, and you're going to beat my face till I'm unrecognizable. But I've resigned to that. And I know betrayal has just happened to me. But it's all part of what's going to happen to bring the world to a saving knowledge of Jesus Christ. Nobody faces betrayal like that unless the Spirit of God is working in him. I've seen a few men in life that have had some really, really bad things happen to them at the hands of maybe some really bad people. And I've seen a few of those men that have acted out in such a godly way that I was immediately humbled and broken because I saw that Spirit of God acting out in them. Hey guys, listen to this. Do you understand sometimes to see Christ in a really big way through your life takes a really bad thing to happen so that it looks really dark? And then for that bright light of Jesus Christ to come shining through all that darkness... um, Light never looks so bright to me as on a dark, stormy night and a streak of lightning shoots across the night sky and lights everything up. It's stunning. And when something really dark is going on in your life and somebody has hurt you deeply, is one of the times you'll be able to demonstrate, demonstrate the life of Christ in the brightest way you've ever been able to do. First Peter 2 tells us that I've called you to this to suffer at times when you don't deserve it so that Christ can be seen through you. Problem is, a lot of Christians don't like bearing crosses because that's what Jesus was saying. I know your betrayal is going to take me all the way to the cross, but here's what more I know. I know that once I hang on the cross and I suffer and, and, and go to the grave and rise again three days later, I know that I can bring you to a saving knowledge I know that I can bring righteousness into the life of all of you that are trying to betray me right now. And Christ, as he hung on Calvary, looked out uh, over the entire world and down through eternity and saw you and me. And he knew if I'm just willing to accept and resign myself to what God has given to me in life and be willing to bear my cross, one day I'll be able to bring millions of people back into a right relationship with my Father. And I'm willing to carry that cross problem with a lot of Christians, we're not willing to bear our cross. 
So when you look at the story today, I saw three faces. You know, I, I, I saw Peter. Here's a, here's a Christian who was acting out in his flesh. And we saw what happened to him as a result of that. His, his adrenaline got the best of him. His emotions were all stirred up. But the Spirit of God was not working in his life, guys. And he kept it shoved out. He didn't realize that. Jesus is trying to teach him in a long lesson here. But I, I saw the face of a Christian walking in the flesh. I saw a lost man, Judas, who was willing to take the Savior down. Uh, a man that, that really never had a walk with God, though he looked like he did. A man that never had a spirit with God like we thought he did. But he was a lost man that does what lost men do. They, they hurt and they betray. And then I saw the face of Christ. And I saw what happened when Jesus Christ is allowed to work through a person's life. And what can happen? Where, where do you see yourself? How did we, how do we act out? Is it the Spirit of the Lord or is it my flesh? And I hope and pray as a congregation, God would help us to take an honest, hard look at my heart today and say of the three faces we saw there today, which one best depicts the kind of life I'm living? I'm going to ask you to bow your heads this morning. Heads bowed and our eyes closed as we go to the Lord in prayer. We want to encourage you to visit our website at eastsidesf.com.